Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 362, take two, because now we're hitting the record button. Uh, this is Tom Maluli, and my co-pilot today is Casey Maluli. Hello. Hey. We're finally going to talk about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Yeah, we're, uh, we're recording this on June 25th, and there's a recent headline in the Wall Street Journal that reads, Saving for Retirement? Now you can bet on Bitcoin. Hmm. So it goes on to say that cryptocurrencies are among the world's most volatile assets and are searching for mainstream acceptance in the investment world. Let's, and, just, let's just hit the pause button right there because it, they say it's one of the world's most volatile assets. I don't even know if it is an asset. I mean, there's, there's plenty of people out there who still think that this is just a scam. I think it's hard throwing cryptocurrencies under all the same umbrella, I feel like, because some of them are scammier than others. Uh, I'm going to take a step back even further and talk about how cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, that's only one example, really grew out of a process called the blockchain. And there is truly real value to blockchain. Mm -hmm. And it's a process that all businesses, I believe, could benefit from if they used it. But we could do three more podcasts on the blockchain. We're going to get a little off track if we start talking about that. But we want to talk about these headline-grabbing numbers that we see from these cryptocurrencies. Yeah, the article argues that advisors are getting more questions about cryptocurrencies and more are interested in investing on their clients behalf in cryptocurrencies there is a stat that says advisors with clients inquiring about investing in cryptocurrencies 17% of advisors said that they got questions about it in 2020 and that number has increased to 49% in 2021 so it seems like people want this stuff in their retirement accounts. Well, they want it. We know that. I I think there's still a lot of unknowns about this. And so people are calling just because they said they're discovering that people they know are saying, hey, I I put a, a couple of bucks into this cryptocurrency a year ago or two years ago, and now I've got (laughs) $650,000. That you cannot ignore that. Yeah. And so when we first got questions about Bitcoin and cryptos in 2017, I mean, we literally like waved off those questions as if it were, you know, the paparazzi. Like, no, no, yeah. like that's totally inappropriate and unsuitable and all of that. But as time has moved forward, like these other advisors that they cited in the article, yeah, we're getting more and more questions. And we've had discussions here in the office where we can no longer just say unsuitable, inappropriate. It's We're at a point now where we need to be talking about this and we need to be on top of this because our clients are asking about it. Right. There's a difference between talking about it and investing in it. Mm -hmm. We can talk about it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be or that we should be putting people's money into these cryptocurrencies. 
Right. There are some other regulatory issues that need to, those chips need to fall first, I think, before we seriously start considering this. But I know that there's, I think it's Vanek has a Bitcoin ETF that the that the SEC is, is the, reviewing. The reviewing. Reviewing for the fourth time. Fourth time. So they've reviewed it three times already, haven't approved it yet. So the SEC has to approve this ETF. Is it a Bitcoin or a crypto ETF? I think it's a crypto ETF. Okay. And uh, once that gets approval, then I think we're... I'm presuming that it's going to get approval, but once it does, then it's going to be even harder to ignore if you are a brokerage firm or an advisor. Right. Um, <clears throat> so right now, I think folks listening to this podcast need to understand that you cannot own Bitcoin if you have an investment account with a bank or a brokerage. That includes places like Charles Schwab. And TD Ameritrade. TD Ameritrade, Fidelity. I mean, you just, you can't do that. You can't own it there. Right. So uh, even the article went on to say, everyday investors at Schwab and Fidelity can't purchase cryptocurrency, but they can buy shares in trusts that invest in them. So there's Bitcoin trust yeah. that trades out there, which trades at, I mean, the last time I looked, it had something like a 50 or 60% markup to the value of Bitcoin. You're paying a wildly inflated uh, cost for this. There's also, I'm trying to remember the name of the company that has a you know a, a huge chunk of their balance sheet in crypto. That's another way to play this. Well, Tesla had it. Well, yeah, Musk is. I, I, I just wonder if he's going to get arrested someday for manipulating this whole market. The SEC's got to be pulling their hair out. <laughs> he is making them earn their paychecks oh, yeah. because he is really pushing the envelope. Yeah. And, you know, that's a, we could do a, an entire podcast just on Elon Musk yeah. and some of the goofy stuff that he's doing. Right. So that's the first hurdle. We can't even, for our retirement accounts at Schwab and TD, the two custodians that we use mostly here, we can't own it outside of the trust, which isn't a great way to own right these cryptos yeah that needs to fall and then we have to cover ourselves as fiduciaries for our clients which means we have to act in their best interest one way to think about that is we need to play it safe and protect our clients assets that's what they hire us to do some people are living off a good amount of people are living off of the assets that we manage for them because they're retired or they're on their way to retirement. And our view is, at least it has been, we can't be risking people's money that they need to be living off of in the most volatile, quote-unquote, asset class that we've ever seen. Yeah. That's kind of the stance that we've been taking for the last couple years, and we probably will continue to take into the future. But the other side of it is people are making a lot of money in these things. And we can't ignore that anymore. Isn't the role of a fiduciary to do what's best for their clients? Meaning if they can make a lot of money, shouldn't we be doing that for people? No. Let me be clear about that. We're as we're, when we're acting as a fiduciary, we're supposed to act in the best interests 
of the clients. And but so, isn't making the most amount of money in someone's best interest? You can make money for clients. There's no law against that. But you have to do it with a measured amount of risk. It, it's going to be the darkest day in the world if cryptocurrencies get exposed to be just the whole thing becomes a fraud. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a very, very bad day. I hope that doesn't happen. And I hope this thing is legit. But right now, uh, we don't know enough about it. We don't have a systematic way to track it and get more information on it and trade it efficiently. Mm -hmm. So we can't do it. But we need to be talking about it. I, I find it interesting that uh, one of the online advisory firms, Betterment, now there's Betterment where, you know, if you're an individual investor, you can go to Betterment. Betterment was like the original version of Robinhood. Yep. You could go to Betterment and open an account and just trade on, on your own there. But now they also have Betterment for advisors where basically Betterment comes to firms like ours and they're like, hey, don't bother with a model portfolio we'll build the model just pay us in basis points and you can do all of your trading through there it's all automated we don't do that but i found it interesting that they this article in the journal quoted the spokesman for betterment and they also quoted dan egan whose his title is the vp of behavioral finance uh, at Betterment. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's really the brains behind all yeah. of this. And so Joe Zemer said that they're actively exploring offering cryptocurrency in IRAs and taxable accounts, uh, but in a way that enables clients to do it in a responsible, advised manner. And Dan Egan said anything over 1% in a portfolio uh, is considered an aggressive allocation and he kind of backed it up by saying, hey, look, right now, cryptocurrency represents a half of 1% of the value of all the global stocks and bonds that are out there. Mm. Crypto is still really, really small. And so you hear these people who say, oh, I could have bought crypto at 11,000 and now it's wherever it is, like it's over. Yeah, <laughs> We're not even out of the first inning yet mm -hmm. when it comes to this stuff. It's a long, long way to go. There, there's a lot of different takes on all of this. The article goes on to talk about this uh, firm called Kingdom Trust. They're an IRA custodian. And every now and then we'll get a client who'll call and say, hey, I saw this commercial on Fox News that says you can own gold in your IRA or you can own real estate in your IRA. And guess what? Now they are working on a way to offer 20 different cryptocurrencies in something called their choice IRA. The, the quote that they gave was, uh, some of our users are trading Tesla, GameStop, Bitcoin, and Ether in their IRAs. We believe our clients see an opportunity to be aggressive with their retirement accounts and also trade them, not just sit there and put money into cookie cutter funds like our parents did. Mm. I do want to add that the CEO, the chief executive officer of Kingdom Trust, 34 years old. Right. That's the thing. People my age, I'm 27. We have a 50-year-plus time horizon. It's like, yeah, we can be taking some excessive risks. The boomers said that because I heard them say that 30 years ago and saying our parents didn't know anything. Yeah. And so here we are. I'm hearing the, the exact same arguments now this time around 
except I'm on the receiving end yeah. instead of the sending end. So I want to just pump the brakes a little bit though, and and get your take on is this normal behavior in a market? Because it seems like there's a lot of excessive and unnecessary risk that's being talked about as seemingly a serious investing strategy, whether it's meme stocks or cryptocurrencies or getting levered up to your eyeballs. There seems to be a lot of people taking a lot of risk these days. Yeah. I know Jason Zweig wrote a recent article for the Wall Street Journal. Same day. Not the same day. Okay. A, week, a week before. But his argument was, if you know nothing about an asset, but you put money into it, you're not an investor. You're a speculator. Right. And it's pretty hard to know what these cryptocurrencies are doing. Yeah. People just see that they're going up and they're investing based on that. So there is an analogy for that. One of the first things I do, ashamedly, every morning is I check the futures market. And the futures market is basically the options and futures for the underlying indices like the Dow and the S&P. Mm -hmm. So the futures market didn't exist in 1980. It didn't exist 40 years ago. And as soon as they opened up trading for uh, these index options 35, 40 years ago, uh, it, remember the Chicago Board Option Exchange, CBOE, where they trade most of these things in the pits, they would trade cattle futures, uh, you know, frozen orange juice like they did in trading places. I mean, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Then they started trading index options, and it totally revived that part of the market. Yeah. It was pretty easy to just open an options trading account. And as soon as brokerage firms started finding out that, holy crap, like the underlying basket of stocks that someone's buying when they're buying puts or calls on the S&P 500 is the dollar value of 500 of these stocks swinging around like this in these illiquid, unregulated markets. Like, we got to do something about this. Mm -hmm. And so when the brokerage firms finally got their act together, they made it, honestly, they made it pretty difficult for individual investors to qualify to be able to trade options in their accounts. We had to send people a book on options disclosures. A book. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sh I'll make you a bet. Somewhere in this office, there's these option disclosure booklets. Because I used to have them sitting in my desk drawer because we would send them to people. Mm -hmm. They were like... Um, a little smaller than an annual report. Yeah. And people had to sign a form saying that they received it and we had to get it back. And only then could they open their account for trading options. And they had to have a certain amount of income. They had to have the ease they had to have a I forget if it was a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars of income. In nineteen eighty three. Mm. Uh that's a lot of money. They had to have two million in net worth in the market, liquid. They uh needed to have a certain number of years experience in trading equities before they would be approved for trading options. And so I really think that when crypto finally becomes a little more mainstream, brokerage firms are going to allow it, but they're going to make it a little harder for, for everybody to do this. And part of it is for the investor's protection. But let's be honest, 
part of this is for the brokerage firm or the advisor's protection too. Mm-hmm. And so I really believe that once they do create uh, an approved ETF, I don't know if Van Eck is going to be the first. They probably should be the first because they specialize in things like precious metals and gold funds. But I think that once they get approved ETFs, it'll kind of be like those triple levered inverse index funds that trade. Like, you know, they some firms just won't allow you to trade in them. Other firms say you have to be approved to own it in an account or you have to have a certain level of experience, net worth, capital requirements to own it. So I think there's probably going to be some some hurdles to jump over before you can own this in your account. Mm-hmm. Which is probably a good thing. Increasing the barrier to entry really gives people a chance to reflect and hopefully reflect and think about whether or not this is really a good idea. You know, right now, our answer for people, if they are insistent on owning crypto in their as part of their portfolio, is we'll send them a check out of their account. Yeah. And we'll we'll tell them, first of all, we can't buy it in yeah. in an account for you at TD Ameritrade or Schwab or yeah. any other place. So you have to go somewhere else. Go to Coinbase or one of these other yeah. platforms. Right. Open an account. Open an account. And if you're really adamant about it, go for it. Yeah. But think about the 1% that you mentioned. 1% of your net worth at most. You also have to think about some of the people that are claiming that they're, yeah, I'm up 300%, but you only put $5 into it. It's like you own 0.00002% of one Bitcoin. Right. So, yeah, if you want to speculate on this stuff in a fun account or a play account, we're not going to stop you. It's not something that we're going to invest serious amount of people's money into right now. But, but it's we, also something that we, we need to be talking about. Yeah, I just want to make that distinction again, talking about and not investing in. You got to know the risks. You have to know the risks. I, you know, I, I kind of want to zoom back in on the, the whole idea of owning this, like the headline says, saving for retirement. You know, now you can put Bitcoin, depending on where you're at, you can put Bitcoin in a retirement account. And I, I think some people lose sight of the fact, well, hey, I can just trade my IRA. There's no taxes on it. Yeah. But there is, there will be taxes when you do take it out. It'll be ordinary income. Yep. There will be no capital gain. You know, when it comes to stuff like this, we have always looked at retirement accounts as income replacement. You're going to be using this money when you are no longer working. You're going to live off this money as if it were a salary in retirement. And so we can't be taking crazy risks like that. I believe it's at this is me in June of 21 saying, I don't think these types of vehicles belong in retirement accounts whatsoever. It's just, it's not prudent. Mm-hmm. It's just inappropriate. I, I think this would be better in a regular taxable investment account because then once you hold an asset for more than 12 months at a time, you're subject to long-term capital gains. So you'll hopefully get a reduced tax rate with something like that. I suppose at some day, at some point in the future, they'll uh, create a Roth IRA version where you can own this, own some kind of cryptocurrency basket in a Roth. That'll be the next step. Yeah. 
It's possible. Yeah. Look, there are a lot of other chips that have to fall before we... I don't want to say take this seriously because we are taking it seriously, but we're more at like an education stage at this point, and we're more at figuring out the risks and the logistics of owning these things. But it's not something that we're doing right now, but we're certainly talking about it here in the office. So we wanted to talk about it here on a podcast and uh, let you all know our thoughts on it. And if you have any questions... Be sure to get in touch with us, call us, shoot us an email, uh, whatever's easiest for you. I think that's going to do it for episode 362 of the Maluli Asset Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you for 363. Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast.